You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello again. This is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief of Journal of Rheumatology, welcoming you to the April 2021 edition of Editor's Picks. I want to thank you for having taken the time to listen to this podcast during the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. This month, I will again begin with an interview where Dr. Claire Barber will give an overview of her paper entitled Evaluating Quality of Care for Rheumatoid Arthritis for the Population of Alberta Using System-Level Performance Methods, of which she is the first author. Claire, can you please give the highlights of your article for our listeners? So this goes back to 2016, and in collaboration with the Arthritis Alliance of Canada, we published this first set of performance measures for inflammatory arthritis care in Canada. And the measures capture important elements of care, including uh, early access, early treatment, as well as ongoing access to specialist care and treatment for patients with inflammatory arthritis. And the present study is part of a larger body of work that was funded by a CIORA grant from the Canadian Rheumatology Association, where we collaborated with team members across Canada. That's why there's so many different universities involved when you listed that in the start, um, really to test and report on these measures in five different provinces and in different types of data sets. And in this particular study, we review the performance measures in administrative data in Alberta. And this is really serves as an important uh, baseline as we investigate different strategies to improve care for our patients uh, in our province. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Claire Barber's overview of her paper entitled Evaluating Quality of Care for Rheumatoid Arthritis for the Population of Alberta Using System-Level Performance Measures. Please listen to the complete interview, which is available at our journal website at www.jroom.com. The next article to highlight is entitled Physical Activity and Attitudes Towards Exercise in People with Axial and Peripheral Spondyloarthritis and is by Leon Collings. Physical activity and exercise are important to healthy living, in particular in patients with rheumatic diseases. The aims of this study were to examine physical activity and attitudes to exercise in 264 patients with axial or peripheral spondyloarthritis. The authors found that positive attitudes, beliefs, and perceived benefits towards exercise were similar in both cohorts. They also found that the time spent in vigorous activities were similar in both cohorts. However, patients with axial spondyloarthritis spent less time engaging in light and moderate activities, and patients with axial disease had greater concerns regarding discomfort and joint injuries than those with peripheral disease. Please read this article to see if the findings supported the original hypothesis of the authors and how the findings of this study may be used to improve physical activity in patients with spondyloarthritis. Third article to highlight is entitled, A Decline in Walking Speed is Associated with Incidence Knee Replacement in Adults at Risk for Knee Osteoarthritis and is by Harkey and colleagues. Using data 
from 4,264 participants in the Osteoarthritis Initiative. The authors examined if a one-year change in walking speed was associated with a knee replacement in the year following this change in walking speed. The study was performed in adults either with or at risk for knee osteoarthritis. Overall, 3% of the participants received a knee replacement. The investigators found that a decrease in walking speed of 0.1 meters per second was associated with a greater than 100% increase in the risk. And conversely, an increase in walking speed was associated with a 55% decrease in the risk of knee replacement in the following year compared to people with no change in walking speed. The association between change in walking speed and knee replacement was consistent for adults considered to be either slow or fast walkers at their baseline visit. This paper outlines how the simple test of measuring a 20-meter walking speed can be used as a clinically accessible outcome that can be easily monitored annually to help identify adults at an increased risk of future knee replacement. The fourth article to highlight is entitled Canvas Consensus Recommendation for the Management of Anti-Neutrophil Cytoplasma antibody-associated vasculitis, 2020 update, and is by Mendel for the Canadian Research Network, or CANVASC. And with this article, there's an accompanying editorial by Dr. David Jane. In this article, the Canadian Vasculitis Research Network updated their 2015 recommendations for the management of ANCA-associated vasculitis. They revised the recommendations and created additional recommendations as needed based on a review of the newly available evidence from 2014 to March 2020. The, newly, the new and revised recommendations were developed and categorized according to the level of evidence and the strength of each recommendation. The CANVAS working group used a two-step delta, modified Delphi method to reach greater than 80% consensus on the inclusion, wording, and grading of each new and revised recommendation. The recommendations included 11 new and 16 revised recommendations, and 12 of the original recommendations were retained while five of the original recommendations were removed. This article and the accompanying editorial are important reading for anyone, not only Canadians, who treat patients with ANCA-associated vasculitis. The final article to highlight is by Grossman on behalf of the APPS Action Plus Registry. Using data, from the Antiphospholipid Syndrome Alliance for Clinical Trials and International Network Registry, APPS Action Registry, an inter international registry that examines long-term outcomes in patients who are persistently antiphospholipid antibody positive. These investigators examined if clinically meaningful 
antiphospholipid antibody profiles found in 472 patients of baseline remained stable over time. Secondary aims were to determine if, one, baseline characteristics differ between patients with stable and unstable profiles, and two, if there were predictors of unstable profiles over time. Meaningful antiphospholipid antibody profiles were defined as positive lupus anticoagulant and or anticardiolipin slash anti-beta-2 GP1 IgM or IgG of greater than 40 units. They found that 78% of 472 patients had a stable antiphospholipid profile over time. 11% had missing data after a median follow-up time of five years. Interestingly, patients who had a stable antiphospholipid antibody profile over time more frequently had a history of arterial events or transient ischemia, but not venous events at baseline. Please read this study to understand the strengths and weaknesses of the study and how the implications of the study can be used for future research and for clinical care. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and encourage you to read not only my highlighted articles, but all the articles in the April 2021 edition of the Journal of Rheumatology, either in the print edition or the online edition, which is available at www.jroom.com. Please watch my interviews with the senior author of selected COVID-19 articles, which are available for viewing at our website and on YouTube. If you have any comments or questions on these highlighted articles or on any articles in the Journal of Rheumatology, please send them to manuscripts at jroom.com. Please listen next month to the May edition of Editor's Highlights. Please stay healthy in these trying times. Thank you.